Turn your Bibles, if you will, this morning. Psalms chapter number 51. Psalms chapter number 51. You don't know what he done for you. I hope you will before this morning is over. And I'd like for the church, if you will, be praying for us as we preach. This is definitely the direction that I feel the Lord would have us to go. Uh, it's somewhat of a continuation of what we have been looking at in regards to Psalms chapter 32 and uh, Psalms chapter number 51. Uh, we looked at them kind of as a parallel uh, and we're going to we're going to really come out of Psalms chapter number 32 and go into Psalms chapter number 51 understanding that these Psalms uh, are dealing with the same thing. Uh, one is penitential and one is instructional and we've been looking at the instruction of Psalms chapter uh, number 32 and this morning we're going to look at Psalms chapter number 51. And I'm going to read till the Lord stops me and then we'll pray. So just keep your seat because I don't know how long we'll be here, okay? Psalms chapter number 51. The Bible said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. I'll say this, the mercy that I have has been, been extended to me is because of his loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. He's calling attention to the fact that his sin was offending a holy, righteous God. See, my sin might have offended you, but me offending you wasn't going to send me to hell. But my, my offending God was the very thing that had me destined for a devil's hell. And so David said, against thee, the only have I sinned. Did David sin or do anything uh, that caused anybody else hurt or pain? Absolutely, we know that he did. But he's saying that he had offended a holy and righteous God. I want to say this, each and every one of us have offended a holy and righteous God that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering the sacrifice of God, or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. Can I say all that you have got to offer him and all that I've got to offer him is a broken and contrite spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. 
Can I say this? Uh, our, our ability to please God when we were born of woman was void. We had no ability to do that. But the Bible said a broken and a contrite heart of God that will not despise. I believe he despised everything about a mankind. He despised that. We, we come short of the glory of God. Now you need to understand that. But the only way to please God and the one thing that he cannot despise is a broken and a contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Heavenly Father, we beg of you now. We need you more than we ever have before. Please touch us. Please help us. Please help us to put the cares of this world aside for a little while while we preach. And God, I beg of you to give us clarity of thought, clarity of speech, Lord, to help what we say be understandable to the hearer, do a work in their heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to say this. Uh, people are not naturally sinless. We were not born naturally sinless. Our nature is that of sinfulness. We are bent toward sin. We naturally do wrong. Uh, we must purpose in our heart to do right. It's not by accident. It's something that we do. Even after I got saved by the grace of God, I have to purpose to put myself in the direction of the Lord. Amen. It is a choice that one does make. I want to say it is our nature to sin. You may do some things right before you get saved, but you cannot do all things right. You cannot please God. Psalms 58, 3 said, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. I like what Mays Jackson used to say. He talks about, and uh, this was brought to my attention just the other day in conversation by another preacher, but I hadn't thought about it in a long time. Mays Jackson would talk about these uh, these little babies that would scream bloody murder, Brother Gene, like they were dying. Like somebody had grabbed them and pinched them and just twisted part of their flesh off, you know. But you go pick them up and they just put a smile on their face and, and be happy as can be. They weren't dying, they just wanted to be held. You know what they were doing? They were telling you a big fat lie. Uh, you know, we were born for him with the, with the inability to please God. So here's what I want to deal with. We, we are considering Psalms 51 and Psalms 32 in light of the fact that David sinned. David done something that was contrary to his character. We know that. Don't aim to re-preach all that. But I like this. As I began to ponder and think about this situation with David, David done wrong. David was a sinner. David did something David shouldn't have done. But I thank God that God made the first move. God made the first step. After having looked at Psalms 32, I'm persuaded had Nathan not went down uh, to talk to David, David would have withered away in his sin until David had died. David would have still been sitting down there on his throne, knowing that he'd done wrong, trying to figure out how to hide it, trying to figure out how to deal with it, trying to figure out how to keep from getting caught in it. But God sent the man of God down there. I'm thankful, Brother Gene, that God made the first move. I didn't go looking for him, praise God. But he came looking for me. Aren't you glad today that you're saved by the grace of God? Because Jesus Christ died that we might be saved. But God sent someone and he come looking for me and for you. And I praise God for that. 2 Samuel 12 tells us uh, that God forgave David. But Psalms 51 shows us how it happened. 
And that's what I want to look at if the Lord would help us for just a little while. Romans 3 and 10 tells us it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now, as we consider that, I want to consider Romans chapter number 3. Now, it's interesting, and as I've been studying this, I've been seeing some things that I guess in, in, in my heart I knew, but I hadn't given a lot of attention to it. But I considered as Paul was writing in Romans chapter number 3, uh, Brother Gene, that Paul says a couple of things in Romans chapter number three that's making reference. He will say, as it is written, as it is written. And, and what Paul's referring to is the psalmist David on several occasions in Romans uh, chapter number three. Now, when we consider Romans chapter number three and verse number 10, where the Bible said it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, Paul is referencing Psalms chapter number 14 and Psalms chapter number 53. And uh, we understand that Psalms 53 and Psalms 14 are almost identical in the way it is written, even the words that are used. But Psalms 53 and Psalms 14 deal specifically with the corruption of man. All right, and so I began to think about that. And then I looked at Romans 3. And four, and it is it is almost uh, uh, it's a different picture of what we see in Psalms fifty one and verse number four. Psalms three and four says, "God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged." When we read Psalms 51, 4, the Bible said against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. He's referencing Psalms 51 and 4. Now we understand as we consider Romans 3, that is our go-to chapter when we're talking about the sinfulness of man and uh, it, we're talking about how man is unable to please God and how man is void of the ability to please God. But we find in Psalms 51 some very familiar passages of Scripture, and I never considered how it related to that of what Paul wrote in the book of Romans. In other words, Paul was writing to the Romans, and he was doing this. He was using commentary. You know what commentary he was using? That of the Psalms. Amen. He was going back to the Scripture uh, to talk about this matter of sin. And so here's what I want to deal with if the Lord will help us for just a little while. Uh, understanding that Romans 3 and 23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want to look at this. This uh, I want to define if I can sin this morning if the Lord would help us. Now to a lot of people sin is nothing more than breaking God's law. Uh, to some living a conceited self-centered selfish life. And getting what they can any way they can without a thought of another individual is sin. To others, murder, drinking, adultery, fornication, stealing, lying, that specifically to them is considered sin. Uh, everything just mentioned is collectively and most definitely sin. But sin is more than what I have just mentioned to you. Sin is anything which is opposed, uh, which opposes that which God is. Sin is a transgression, but it's more, it's an offense against God. And I want you to understand, what, does an, what is an offense? God is offended. You need to understand that. And because God is offended, God, there is separation between God and man. Now I want you to understand something. I know Adam offended Eve, offended God. But when I was born, I was born offending God. 
God's spirit did not run with me. It was not in me. His spirit was not with me. There was separation between me and God. Sin brings separation. It always has and it always will. Now sin causing separation meant that I needed something to atone for my sin. And I know this is elementary. You're hung with me a little bit this morning. But here's what I want you to see. Even after I got saved by the grace of God, sin still causes separation. It does not cause a difference in relation, but it causes that of separation. So sin brings separation. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. But now listen to the conjunction here. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now we know that we're sinners, but there's something specific that's being joined to this phrase. God's glory in the context of Romans 3 is referencing the righteousness of God. We come short of His righteousness. Coming short of God's glory and His righteousness is stated and used in conjunction with all having sin. So not meeting the standard necessary to please God makes us unable to please Him. We understand that. The identity of a sinner is related to coming up short of what it takes to please God. This means that we are sinners Three different ways. Now pay attention here. This means we are sinners by disposition. That is character or nature. This means that we are sinners by demeanor. That would be conduct. Then it means we are sinners by decision. That means we make a choice. And so I want us to understand today that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now as we consider this, I want to, I want to look at verses number four. Uh, maybe down through uh, verse number seven and kind of hone in, if I can, on these verses of Scripture. The Bible said, Against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. It wouldn't do David any good to really concern himself with what his sin had done to others unless he got his sin straightened out with God. And so he's focusing in on how he's offended God. Then he said, Behold, I was shaken in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, as I stated last Sunday, the reason that I do not believe this verse of Scripture is calling attention or alluding to the fact that David's uh, mother and father done something in sin that shaped uh, David is because David is repenting and talking about repentance of his sin in Psalms 51. This is raw. He does not deal with God and he's not talking to God, pointing a finger at someone else. It, it doesn't work in the context of the scripture. What David is saying here, behold, I was shaken in iniquity and intended my mother conceive me. I was born that void of the ability to please God. I come up short. I was short. I realize I'm a sinner. I am what I am. I know that's what I am and I own it for what I am. He's taking accountability for who and what he was and he is. And this is what he says here. He said, behold, thou desires truth in the inward parts. He's relating truth to what he just said. He's being true and talking about the truth of what he is. Because you not go to God if you're not truthful. I said, behold, I was shaken in iniquity and sin in my mother conceived. Behold, thou desires truth. In the inward parts and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Now, it's very interesting to me that Psalms 51 is referenced and Psalms 14 and Psalms 53 is referenced in Romans chapter number 3. 
I do not believe that this verse of scripture uh, is set separate from what Paul is talking about in the book of Romans in chapter number three. I believe that he understood the concept of sin and how sin was handed down uh, throughout the generation from generation of understanding we were born of flesh without the ability to please God. All right, and we understand, and, and, and listen, don't forget now that Jeremiah 17 talks about the heart being deceitful. Your heart's deceitful. My heart's deceitful. I was born with this brain. I was born with this mind. It's not got the ability to please God. I have to point myself towards God. I have to fill my mind with God's book. I have to fill my mind with God's word because left alone, my mind, friend, does not have the ability to please a holy, righteous God. He says this. He said, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Now listen. Listen closely to this. Because I have never paid attention to this like the Lord showed me this when I looked at these verses of Scripture. The Bible says here in verse number 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. What is hyssop? And what is the purpose of hyssop? When we find hyssop, in the word of God, it was an instrument that was used for a blood sacrifice. Now that's going to be important here because I do want you to understand something. David asked for forgiveness, but David is reminded and remembering and understanding the importance of a sacrifice. And if you're forgiven this morning, it'll be because of a sacrifice. And I'm forgiven this morning because that of a sacrifice. So we understand here that he says, uh, purge me with hyssop. Now hyssop is a species of plant. You need to understand that. And hyssop was used for some uh, three, at least three purposes that I could find in the word of God. Now he may be utilized more, but I could not find any more off the top of my head. But these three uh, purposes, uh, there was three purposes for the use of hyssop in the word of God. You'll find that when you go back and you read about the Passover, that it was the hyssop that was supposed to take the blood of the, the, the spotless lamb uh, that was to be sacrificed and utilized on the doorpost and on the lintel of the door. And that you understand that when the death angel come, uh, he would pass over the pass by the house because the hyssop had been taken and it had struck the doorpost and it had struck the lintel and the blood had been applied. And so it was noticeable. But the instrument that was used was that of the hyssop. All right? All right, so we, we realize that. Now that is a picture of the sacrifice and blood atonement. We see the hyssop used in that light, in that context, okay? And so hyssop is connected with the lamb and with the blood. You find the lamb, the blood, and then you find the hyssop, okay? And thanks be unto God, that instrument was used as a, a tool to, to apply the blood so that the death angel would pass on, okay? Then we find here another picture. We find a picture uh, in Leviticus chapter number 14, verses 4 through 6. Now, God uh, gave instruction for the cleansing of a leper. And I preached on leprosy, and leprosy in the Word of God is a picture and type of sin. It is sin, it is, uh, it is something that attacks the flesh 
and it will eventually cause you to be destroyed one digit at a time or one at a time until it overtakes you and kills you. All right, now we understand here that God's giving instruction in Leviticus 14 for cleansing a leper. And we find that two birds, uh, one was to be killed. There were two birds taken, okay? One was to be killed. The live bird was uh, taken with hyssop. Uh, and we understand that the blood of the, the dead bird, uh, the hyssop was dipped in that blood of the slain bird. Uh, and then uh, it was applied to the bird that was alive. And then that bird was let go and allowed uh, to fly away. So what's that a picture of? Well, when John baptized the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that the Holy Ghost of God descended like a dove. And so one dove had to be sacrificed and the blood of that dove applied to the, uh, I mean the, the bird so that the blood was applied to the other bird and that bird was able to fly away and it was not killed. That is a picture and type of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we find here also in Numbers uh, chapter number 19, uh, specifically in verse number 18, we're dealing with the hyssop uh, being used in, as a picture of the forgiveness of sins through sacrifice. Uh, Numbers 19, let's turn there for just a moment. I want you to get this if you, if you can. Numbers 19, let's look at verse number uh, 18. <clears throat> Sorry, the Bible says in a uh, Numbers 19, verse 18. And a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it upon the tent and upon all the vessels and upon the persons that were there and upon him that touched a bone or one slain or one dead uh, or a grave. Now, here's what I want you to see here. Uh, back up to verse 17. Uh, the Bible said, For an unclean person they shall take of the ashes of the burnt heifer of purification for sin and running water shall be put there into a vessel. Then it says that a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in water. What I want you to understand, just let me give you the backdrop, the background of this, and you can go back and read this chapter for yourself. But when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, you need to understand here that the, in the wandering through the wilderness, they had taken a red heifer and they had killed this red heifer. They burnt this red heifer. And then they took the ashes of this red heifer and they saved these, this, these ashes. And what they would do is they would take and they would mix. The, if someone sinned or became impure, they would take the ashes. They would pour running water on the ashes. They would take the hyssop, this, this uh, shrub, if you will, this instrument. And they would take the ashes and then they would apply it with the hyssop. So we're finding here that this hyssop is used in this picture uh, as a for, uh, as a tool that was used in the forgiveness of sins. You say, what in the world has that got to do with anything, preacher? Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter number 19 for just a moment, and I'd like to show you how I think this applies. It won't be long. Just give me just a moment uh, to read these verses of Scripture to you. All right. Uh, the book of John, Gospel of John, Chapter number 19, and let's look at verse number 28. All right, let's back up to verse number 25. Verse number 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. 
Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother, and from that hour that disciple took her unto his own. Now, the Bible says here, and after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now, interestingly enough, I want to call your attention to verse number 28, being that uh, of a prophecy found in Psalms 69, 21. I'm finding as I study the book of Psalms in my personal study, uh, that there is prophecy after prophecy uh, after prophecy uh, being spoken in the book of Psalms. You consider Psalms uh, chapter number 22. That is a picture of the crucifixion uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So all through the Psalms, we're finding that of uh, uh, finding that of prophecy. Psalms chapter number 69, verse number 21 is prophetic, uh, talking about uh, this matter of thirsting and vinegar. Let's see if we can read that, 69, 21. Psalm 69 and 21. Moving quickly here, trying to find it. Psalm 69 and 21. The Bible says, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in, the, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Now what is important here? You see in verse number 28 that Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst, now there was set a vessel full of vinegar. It would seem that the prophecy is pointing towards vinegar. It would seem that there's something uh, significant about this matter of vinegar, but what I want you to see is it's not just the vinegar that's important. What we're going to find here is how the vinegar was given to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now David references that of hyssop. All right, so here's what I want you to see. Verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now, here's what I want you to see. I've preached out of verses 25 through 27, specifically about uh, Jesus and about Jesus' mother. And I emphasized and I preached on that, that there was a closing out taking place. Christ knew that he was fixing to give up the ghost. Christ knew that what he had done had been was being fulfilled. And it was at, he was at the end of the crucifixion. And before he died, he made sure that he had someone take care of his mother, right? But here's what I want you to see. Right after that, this very prophecy must be fulfilled before he can die. Now, we understand that he laid his life down. No man took it, right? He fulfilled it until it was fulfilled, and then he gave up the ghost. No man took his life. He freely gave his life. But what happened was Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. There was one thing left. All had been accomplished except for the fulfilling of the prophecy that we find in Psalm 69 and verse number 21. All right, and this prophecy is about drinking vinegar. The vinegar is important, but not as important today as how the vinegar was delivered. All right, so here's what I want you to see. The Bible said, now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon the hyssop and put it to his mouth. 
All through the scripture, hyssop is used in reference to that of a sacrifice, to that of one's atonement, and to the applying of that of blood. Now think about this, if you will. Now the heifer was sacrificed, right? But the body of the heifer was applied with the hyssop. So you find that flesh is being given. Flesh is applied. Uh, the, the sacrifice of the flesh was put on the flesh of the one that should have been sacrificed for their sin. So we find that all through the scripture, hyssop is an instrument that's used to touch the sacrifice or the blood of the sacrifice, but not only to touch the blood of the sacrifice, but to touch the one that should have been sacrificed. You need to understand that cross Christ hung on should have been your cross. It should have been my cross. He bore our sin. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. My righteousness is not of my own. It's not something that I can make. Even after I got saved, my righteousness is nothing. It is his righteousness. His imputed righteousness because of what he done plus nothing minus nothing free. It's all about him. And it always will be about him. You're messed up in your theology if you think that you have the ability to please God. Upon your own, you don't possess it. It's all about him. It's all about him. Now here's what I want you to see. They were sent a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge of vinegar and put it upon hyssop and then put it to his mouth. Hyssop was used, Brother Marvin, to touch the lips of the word of God. Hyssop was used to touch the sacrificial lamb. You say, well, what's the difference about his lips? Well, his lips was just as bloody as everything else. They'd smack and smoke and beat on Christ. He wasn't recognizable. I imagine his lips were split and busted like the rest of his body. So they'd taken the hyssop. And this is what I like. Now get this, Brother Shane. Do you know what they dipped in the vinegar? The sponge. You take a hyssop and you put a sponge on it. And you touch the lips of a bloody Christ. That blood is absorbed into that sponge. You know what you use a sponge? You ever sponged yourself off? Took a sponge and washed yourself off to clean yourself? And I want you to know something. That blood was captured. That blood soaked in. That blood was grabbed. And that hyssop that's been used down through the ages for a sacrifice was used to touch the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. The lips of the word of God. The sinless, spotless, sacrificial lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's what I like. All through the scripture we find that hyssop has been touching the sacrifice or touching the blood. But then it's used to be given to the one that needed the sacrifice, that needed the atonement, the one that should have suffered for their sin. So here's what I want to say. What is significant about the prophecy? Well, I'm going to say this. It wasn't the vinegar. It was the hyssop. You say, what do you mean? Well, they give vinegar, but they got the sacrifice. The hyssop is used to give the vinegar. But, but you need to understand this is a transaction that's taking place. I wish you could get the picture of a transaction that's taking place. They don't realize what they're doing. They're going to give something sour. 
something not worth drinking, something no one wants, especially in the situation Christ was in. But what they did was vinegar. What they got back when they threw the hyssop back was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We traded something that was sour and wasn't worth it for the blood of the spotless Son of God. What are you saying today, preacher? I'm saying that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I'm glad that what I had, it wasn't worth anything. What I got back from that was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what David said here, and I'm going to be done. David said in Psalms 51, he said, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. I'm afraid this morning it just might be that you're lost and undone. Just like Paul said in Romans as he referenced the Psalms. There's none righteous, no not one. We come short of the glory of God, which is in context His righteousness. But you know what? It always has been the blood. It always has been the spotless Lamb of God that satisfied, that satisfied God Himself. Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. And he come to bear the sins of the world. My sin and your sin. And there's no one in the sound of my voice that had the ability to please a holy righteous God. David knew he couldn't either. So David didn't try. David didn't try to justify what he'd done. David didn't try to blame what he got on his mama or his daddy. He just said, this is what it is. And can I say to you, maybe this is already the title of my message this morning. It is what it is. Take it or leave it. Accept it or deny it. But if you deny it, friend, you'll pay for what he paid for you. You'll be the one that has to pay on the uh, uh, for the sins that you have. But he's already paid for them. You're going to have to accept it. To as many as received him, to them gave me power. To become the sons of God. You're in the sound of my voice. It's within your power this morning. To be saved by the marvelous grace of God. Why? Because here's what I want you to see. When the hyssop was extended to the Lord Jesus Christ. The vinegar touched his lips. But the blood came back on the sponge. Here's what I want you to see. Every time the hyssop touched the sacrifice. The hyssop must be applied to the one that should have been Sacrifice. You know what I'm saying to you? I'm saying the sacrificial lamb of God already done everything he can do. He laid his life down. He willingly died. He went to, to the lower parts of the earth and he preached Jesus Christ and been crucified to the captives in paradise. He led captivity captive. He has the keys to hell and of death. Do you know what's left? You need to take the sponge tonight this morning, so to speak, and apply it to your life. You need to let the blood do what the blood's designed for. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there's no remission of sins. You know what the problem is this morning? It's sin. It's your inability to please God. My inability to please God. Listen, it took God to please God. It'll always take God to please God. It's not that we're doing anything. It's that we're yielding ourselves to allow God to use us. It's not that I'm doing anything. It's that I'm standing back 
my inner man standing back and saying, Lord, do with me what you will. It's not that I'm responsible for anything. I'm allowing him to do what he wants to do. Will you allow him to do what he wants to do? I'm going to get the pianist to come. Brother Marvin, get a song. Get a song picked out. Though. 